When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Week one is upon us. Sam Macho, Sanford Steve. I'm Wendy next here for College Football Live. If you believe Reese Davis, yes, rivalry is the lifeblood of college football, so do not worry because week one begins on Thursday night with the return of the backyard brawl. It also includes a number of tricky road tests for teams looking to get off to a solid start. Penn State on that list. They travel to Purdue. In 2021, Penn State struggled away from home, winning just two games. Also last season, North Carolina posted an 0-4 road record, just their third winless road season since at least 1996. They traveled to Appalachian State. They are coming off a 10-4 season. Number 13, NC State, travels to East Carolina. ECU finished 4-2 at home last season, while the Wolfpack wrapped up the 2021 year with a 2-3 record on the road. Utah puts its highest preseason ranking in program history on the line against Florida. The Gators have won 32 consecutive on-field games at home openers, the longest streak in SEC history. And Boise State travels to Oregon State. The Broncos, one of four FBS programs to post a winning record on the road for each of the last eight seasons. The others, by the way, none other than Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia. Fifteen years ago tomorrow, folks, one of the biggest upsets in college football. It was Appalachian State. They went into the big house and knocked off Michigan. Julian Roush kicked a 24-yard field goal to put Appalachian ahead with 26 seconds to go. Michigan's last-second field goal was blocked. And absolutely no team wants to be the next Michigan, at least in that regard. In other ways, maybe, but not when it comes to one of the bigger upsets in college football history. So with that said, we'll talk to you and see, Steve, what do you see or what concerns you about the Tar Heels despite the season opening win against Florida A&M? Well, obviously going in the last week in the week zero game, Wendy, everybody, all the focus and eyes were on the offense with Drake May taking over and he looked great. But my concern was what the defense looked like. They gave up a ton of yards. I thought Musa for Florida A&M threw the ball all over the yard and North Carolina going on the road to a, you know, a well-veteran, you know, they're going to have a veteran quarterback in Chase Bryce. 
for Appalachian State, they need to tighten up. Florida A&M threw for over, you know, close to 300 yards in a game where, you know, they weren't sure they were going to play that game on Friday afternoon. So I think the North Carolina defense is a concern. They have to be better in order to win this game in Boone against Appalachian State. Yeah, and especially because of who they're playing. You mentioned it, Sanford Steve. You mentioned Chase Bryce. Chase Bryce last year set single-season passing records for Appalachian State. Chase Bryce last year uh, beat Coastal Carolina uh, for Appalachian State. Appalachian State was undefeated last year at home. Chase Bryce is a seasoned veteran quarterback. Drake May for North Carolina looked outstanding and was outstanding, especially as a freshman. But Chase Bryce isn't playing against Drake May. He's playing against that defense. We all found that Gene Chizik would bring some massive changes to the defense. And we we haven't seen it so far. I get it. It's week zero, but you don't want to be playing Appalachian State and Chase Bryson week one if that's how you looked last week. No, and I tell you what, guys, Appalachian State does not get intimidated. They have, as we mentioned, have some big wins in their program history, and they won't be worried when UNC comes. They'll play ball. There's no question about that. We talked about tricky road games. Well, Penn State also on that list. Take a look at this. James Franklin, his first full season at Penn State was 2014. Since then, the Nittany Lions have opened up Big Ten play at home just one time. In fact, including this season, Penn State will now open conference play on the road for the seventh consecutive year. Here's Coach Franklin with more. Going on the road at Purdue um, is a big deal. Going on the road 12 out of the last 13 years um, also also helps with that. Um, so, yeah, again, we got to do it this year, um, but there is experience with our team, uh, with our team, you know, going on the road. Steve, I'll start with you again. What do you need to see from Penn State? Well, first of all, I think we're going to see a lot of new faces on the offense. You know, Jahan Dotson's gone. He was their main receiver, and it looks like Parker Washington's going to fill his shoes as he did in the bowl game. But I think about Sean Clifford and how many years he's been in Penn State and how many games, big games, he's played in. I think this is a massive test for Penn State because I think the offense has to score. Because on the other side, I think Penn State matches up pretty well defensively when you got guys in the secondary with Joey Porter Jr. and Kaylee King in the secondary to match up against Purdue. Because Purdue is probably not going to try and run the ball. They love to throw the football. They're really the only team that does it in the Big Ten West. So I think Penn State's offense has to be up to the test against Purdue on the road, which should be a tough environment. And, Steve, you talked about the offense, but you also talked about the defense. Well, I mean, people forget Aiden O'Connell, who's Purdue's quarterback, he threw for 500 yards twice last season. He's the first quarterback, the only other quarterback outside of Drew Brees to do that. They put up 31 in a loss. They put up 31 against Ohio State, and they, they put up 40 on a, a – Michigan State defense. So we need to watch out for Aiden O'Connell. I get it. New defensive coordinator Brent Pry, Brent Pry is now the head coach of Virginia Tech. Manny Diaz is a new DC. But Aiden O'Connell can ball. And Jeff Brom, the, the head coach, is an offensive mastermind. And so we can get excited. It'll be a great test for Joy Porter Jr., I will say that. But we need not forget about how high powered this passing attack is for Purdue. Yeah, and Sean Clifford's talked about being more comfortable, you know, in the second year of this system at Penn State. And I think that's going to be important because you want to keep that Purdue offense off the field. How do you do that? Convert third downs. I think it's a big spot for Clifford. They do have a true freshman behind them. That's plenty of talk and probably the fan base wants to see. So I think Sean Clifford will shoulder that and I think he'll play well on the road. It should be a really, really good game. Stan, let me ask you this. When you look at this list of tricky games, who's poised for an upset? 
Well, if you're asking me, I would go, I think, Utah. Like, and as crazy as it sounds, like, and I was kind of going through their schedule and thinking, okay, man, Utah has Florida week one. But it's not just that. Last year, Utah lost to BYU in week two. They lost back-to-back again in week three. Like, I think it was to San Diego State. Utah has a history or tendency, at least last year, of losing early games. And so, maybe you beat Florida. Maybe you don't, right? Like, but the biggest thing is, I think, I think that Anthony Richardson is a question mark. A lot of people are really, really high on him. We think people think he could be great. And then Utah coming in, they had this great season last year, made this big run. They might get hit in the mouth. And that's a big game perception-wise, Sam, for for Utah and the Pac-12. They don't get those many opportunities. They haven't done well when they've had those opportunities. So I think it's a a huge spot for Utah. And then for me, a team that's had a ton of of hype and which I think is well-deserved is NC State. It's a real, real tricky spot when they go in-state to ECU against a team that has a ton of guys coming back. And when I think about ECU, I think they got a lot to prove in this spot they they you know finally made a bowl game and that bowl game got canceled last year they weren't able to play it would have been their first one under their head coach so i think nc state i I think they'll do all right they're giving double digit points i don't know about that side of things but i think nc state with the defense i think that'll travel because i think if there's one week that's east carolina it's the offensive line so i think nc state matches up well you just got to play well when you go on the road especially what they have looking forward to them with playoff aspirations Guys, 14 upset wins last season between week zero and week one. We'd be hard-pressed to believe we'll have none. There'll be a few, and then chaos will ensue (laughs) in the early part of the season. I'm not sure if that will happen to be in Columbus, but, of course, you never know. What a game. Certainly all eyes on Columbus. Ohio State set to host Notre Dame. Just how big a week one game is this? Just the 11th game in the AP poll era between a pair of top five teams in their respective season openers. Senior college football writer Pete Thamel has already made his way to Columbus. He joins us now. And, Pete, listen, this Buckeyes defense gashed last year in their non-conference home game. They've got a new defensive coordinator in Jim Knowles. What are your expectations for this defensive unit this time around? Wendy, I really think that it's a good litmus test for this defense one year after all its frailties were showcased in a non-conference game in week two against Oregon. Ohio State's defense got torched that day. They gave up 7.1 yards of carry. It eventually led to Kerry Combs being demoted and Matt Barnes being promoted as an interim. And then the defensive staff essentially cleared out. Jim Knowles comes in. There's still a few standbys like Larry Johnson. But this is going to be a much different defense. More nickel, more dime, more disguises pre-snap. The Ohio State went from one of the more predictable defenses in the country to a guy who has a reputation for having one of the most unpredictable. Listen, I think everybody's curious about how this new and improved defense will look, especially starting against a team like Notre Dame over the weekend. The Big Ten made a splash, Pete, this year, adding teams, also a brand-new TV deal, an extremely lucrative one, and now perhaps another conference looking to do the same thing. Yeah, well, interesting news uh, emerged from the Big 12 this morning, Wendy. Uh, The Big 12 sort of opened up, we could call them informal conversations outside of the formal negotiating window with its media partners, Fox and ESPN. And the thought from the Big 12 is that this helps them for their next iteration of a contract as both they and the Pac-12 are looking for lucrative deals. The Pac-12's deal has just two years left. The Big 12's has three. 
the question looming is whether these conversations can lead the Big 12 to finding some financial security and giving them an edge over the Pac-12. Pete, while we've got you here, we've all been following the story out of Tallahassee where 26 players were ineligible for the season opener, including NFL prospect Isaiah Land. What can you tell us about his situation? Yeah, Wendy, I just spoke to Rattlers coach Willie Simmons. He was on the bus going from Tallahassee down to Miami for their game Sunday against Jackson State. He said that there are 17 ineligible Rattlers right now, down from 26 over the weekend. Isaiah Land is still one of those players right now. He's retained noted NCAA antagonist Tom Mars, who has helped dozens of players the past few years with eligibility cases. Mars has found some resistance from FAMU in trying to capture documents to help present his case better. That case is fluid. Simmons hopes that Land and many of the other 17 can get eligible and make the trip down to Miami for Sunday's game on ESPN2. Listen, just an incredibly frustrating situation, especially for these student athletes, any way you look at it. Pete Thamel, enjoy the weekend in Columbus. We'll certainly be watching. Still to come on College Football Live, it's also a huge weekend for HBCUs from the debut of 2020 top recruit to a pair of rivalry games right off the bat. We get you ready next. Welcome back to College Football Live. Jay Walker, Tiffany Green here with you. Get hype! Week one is here. It has a ton of premier matchups, including the Orange Blossom Classic with FAMU and Jackson State. And Jay, both teams coming into Sunday's game facing their own set of adversity. 26 players were not able to participate and be certified last weekend, including Isaiah Land. He is a question mark for FAMU, the defensive player of the year from a season ago. Meanwhile, Jackson, in the midst of a water crisis, players having to stay at a hotel before they head down to Miami. Yet, they have to focus in on this game this weekend with big swack implications. Yeah, I mean, all the stuff going around, let's get to football. I mean, this is a very important football game for both of these teams. They have to stay focused despite all the distractions. Think about what this game meant a year ago. Florida A&M almost had a dream season, but they have to figure out a way to make up that one point. They'll be playing down in Miami, and Willie Simmons is going to have the Rattlers ready to go. Coming off a pretty impressive performance versus North Carolina a week ago, will that offense continue to show up and shine the way we're used to seeing Florida A&M produce offensively. Jackson State defense is still the key. Jackson State Hill still has one of the best defenses in all of FCS football. They're going to need that defense in a major way if they want to hold off a very hungry Florida A&M Rattler team. But let's not forget about the star power in this game. This game, you're going to see Shadur Sanders, the nation's returning freshman of the season. But how about the national TV debut of the number one recruit in the country, Travis Hunter, the cornerback that signed with Jackson State, becoming the highest-ranked player ever to sign with an FCS program. He will make his debut down in Hard Rock Stadium in Miami for the Orange Blossom Classic. 
get your popcorn ready. This kid can do it. We saw him in the spring doing his thing. We don't expect anything different come game time. A threat for the Tigers this season. That's expected on both sides of the ball. When you think about these long-standing rivalries that we're used to seeing at the end of the season, push them all the way up to week one. We're talking Aggie Eagle Classic and Howard versus Hampton. Yeah, when you talk about conference realignment, that's one of the consequences of it. A&T, North Carolina Central, no longer in the same conference, but they're going to duke it out down in that Dukes game in Charlotte. Look for the Aggies to try and show that they're still the big brother within that relationship against North Carolina Central. But Trey Oliver's got the Eagles ranked to come in second place in the Mid Eastern Athletic Conference. They're going to go at it. Throw the records out of the window. We've seen Central beat A&T when they had no business being on the field with them. It goes back and forth between these two schools. And then you talk about rivalries. What about Howard versus Hampton? We know these schools don't like each other. They call it the battle for the real HU. I call it the battle of the only HU, my alma mater, Howard University. They'll duke it out when they go up to Hampton to take on the seat. Who can be the real HU? The Bison trying to bounce back from that week zero loss in the MEAC SWAC Challenge against Alabama State. Second year head coach Larry Scott is looking to get his Bison moving in the right direction. Jay, we start off with hypeness. Let's go. We'll toss it back to Wendy. Guys, thank you. Still to come from offensive lines to defensive fronts, what are the most improved units across college football? We'll tell you what we think next. Why do we embrace this? Because it's freaking awesome. That's why. This is a huge game. Up my chain hitting like Kings back in his hometown when them wheels hit. Here's our week one featured college football lineup Saturday and Sunday, ABC and the ESPN app. Number 11, Oregon. Number three, Georgia. That's the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Then that game in Columbus, Ohio State hosting Notre Dame. Our Saturday night game and Sunday cap off the weekend with Florida State and LSU as Brian Kelly makes his debut as the Tigers' head coach. Meanwhile, Old Miss four days away from their opener, but still no closer to naming a starter. Lane Kiffin said today, we're not holding anything back. They're both even. We'll just have to wait until Saturday to see who gets the nod against Troy. Maybe so, but time is of the essence. Steve, who should start for Ole Miss? Oh, that's a, that's a pressure question there, Wendy. I'm going to let Lane Kiffin <laughs> handle that one. But I think what's tough for, for Ole Miss fans is the last time they saw Luke Altmaier was a bad situation. You know, Corral gets hurt in the bowl game, and he got thrown to the Wolves against that Baylor defense. And the fans want everybody to see, you know, the new guy, the new guy in town, Jackson Dart. I also think Lane's petrified of seeing one of these guys transfer. It would be Dart's second time doing it. So I think maybe Jim Harbaugh started something. Play both guys and see what happens. I think the schedule uh, lets it happen with a, with a month to go with, before they get tested. So I, I trust Lane Kiffin when it comes to quarterbacks. 
Steve, you took the words right out of my mouth. Okay, take, I think they should take the, the take the Michigan approach, right? You start one week one against Troy, and then you maybe start Altmaier week one, start Dart week two against Central Arkansas, then see who you need to start when you play Georgia Tech. I, I don't know, and I think, and I do respect Lane Kiffin's approach because oftentimes when you have quarterbacks who have transferred in, all of a sudden, if one gets benched, they may want to leave, which I don't blame them. And so uh, I, I don't know what Lane Kiffin's going to do, but whoever whoever starts that offense I think is going to be is going to excel because we know how high power that offense can be listen and you're, you're both right this transfer portal has changed the way coaches have to manage their rosters especially quarterbacks those yeah. two by the way combined for 439 career snaps listen we've talked a lot about that Ohio State defense will it be improved under Jim Knowles there's all kind of units a new offensive line here uh, listen what unit Sam in particular across college football are you interested in seeing in terms of improvement? I'm excited to see USC's defense, right? We all know how great USC's offense is going to be. Caleb Williams was a Heisman candidate last year. Jordan Addison is a Belindikoff Award winner last year. Lincoln Riley is one of the best offensive minds in football. I met him at Pac-12 Media Day. He's a competitor. He's brilliant. But what will their defense be like? Alex Grinch, who was a former defensive coordinator at Oklahoma, he's coming with Lincoln Riley. Their defense got progressively better from in the hundreds to the 80s to like maybe the 50s, year in and year out. But that USC defense wasn't great last year. USC as a team overall was bad last year. How quickly will Grinch be able to revamp this defense, number one? And number two, will it be good enough to stop other of these teams that love to run the ball in the Pac-12? I'm going to go to Lincoln Riley's former school, Oklahoma. I want to see, first of all, I want to see Brett Venables run out of the tunnel. I hope he stretches beforehand because I'm worried he's going to break both hamstrings. But Dylan Gabriel in that Oklahoma offense, plenty of change. Venables says they have 50 guys on that roster that have never put on the Oklahoma uniform. I'm fired up to see Dylan Gabriel back with Jeff Levy calling plays in Norman. It should be an awesome scene uh, for the fans in Norman when they, when they open Saturday. Yeah, I'm really excited about that offense. People get scared because they're thinking, man, Oklahoma, I'm an Oklahoma fan. I lost Lincoln Riley. I lost Caleb Williams. What am I going to do? But not only did you gain Dylan Gabriel, like, like Steve just said, you got his old offensive coordinator, Jeff Levy. Dylan Gabriel in his first yeah. two years at UCF had a 61 to 11 touchdown to interception ratio. That first year at UCF, his, his coordinator was Jeff Levy. So you should be excited about the offense, but even more excited, as Steve mentioned, about that defense under Brent Venables. And I tell you what, Steve, I'll say this. You mentioned the Pac-12 and earning respect. It's not a unit, but as a conference, they want us to talk more. They want to be respected. They've got two big opportunities <laughs> over the course of opening weekend to make a statement. Will they do it? We'll have to see. The Backyard Brawl is tomorrow. We're going to talk about that. College Football Live coming your way 3.30 Eastern tomorrow.